Hi, everybody, and welcome to a new podcast with the end of South. So I hope everyone's keeping well who's listening. Alongside me today is my regular co-host, John. How are you, John? I'm great, man. Thanks. No problem at all. Great to have you on again. I'm having a special guest from a Celtic state of mind, Amy. How are you, Amy? I'm doing great. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. How are you? How are you getting on? Oh, we're getting on fine. We're, we're just cracking on. I said before we came on, there's just small steps, but we're, we're gradually getting there and we're getting more out there, which is brilliant. And we appreciate you coming on, Amy. Thanks very much for that. No, thank you so much for having us. It's um, it's always good to get on other ones. Just let an, an even larger audience hear my dulcet tones. So more than happy with that. So. <laughs> That's brilliant. Before we crack on to the topics that we're going to talk about, I just want to touch upon quickly, we've seen young Stephen Wells signed a, a new four-year contract. And anyone who listens to our podcast on a regular basis knows that me especially, I'm a big, big fan of the youth getting the chance. And Stephen Wells has definitely took that with both hands. And we always say he did get a kind of get his chance by accident but he's he's took it and he's ran with it and he's probably up there of our two mainstays at the moment at centre back but Amy what do you think of that news coming out it's a bit of good news for once isn't it yeah it's a it's not a birthday tweet is it so it's um high it's fantastic news it, like you said it's brilliant not only is it is it youth coming through um from the academy but he's a solid he's a solid enough player um as you say maybe got his his chance a, a little bit by luck but you've got to grab that chance and he's done exactly that so no it's brilliant to see he's also to appease a lot of the Celtic support he's a Celtic fan as well um, even in those his early games you're starting to see that he is a, starting to see sorry that he is a little bit of a leader um, and that is something that we're, we're certainly lacking out there so no it's brilliant to have a, a strong youth presence at the back and um, yeah till 2025 so it's great to get that done and dusted um, nice and early yeah, 100%. I mean, when I seen it today, it was a bit like, well, really? Because you're not expecting anything coming like that at the moment, especially because, you know, Dominic Mackay is coming next Monday to the starters road. But it's fantastic news. I've, I've seen a few people uh, kind of link him towards the Steve McManus type road, the way the way Steve McManus broke through to the team and he was eventually captain for years to come. But, I mean, John, it's fantastic news, isn't it, that young Steve Mills has signed a new contract? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've uh, Since he's came into the team, I've, I thought he's been absolutely outstanding. So, Happy to see that, not just that, I like Amy touched on there, he maybe got his chance by uh, through luck, just with the, the issues that we've had defensively this year, but like you said, he's taken it with both hands and he's, he's, he's run with it, so I'm happy that he's signed a, a long-term deal, definitely. Yeah, and we're all absolutely delighted at the end of the sales podcast, but we'll, we'll crack on to the first point of call, which is the weekend's game, and I've titled the topic as Knocked for Six, because Livingston were purely knocked out. And I thought we played fantastically well in the game. James Forrest coming back. I mean, he's made a big difference. I I was one of the people before that used to be kind of critical of him. But, I mean, you can't really argue with his numbers and assists and his contributions to the team, especially that we've missed him, I mean, the whole season, really. And he's been a big miss. And then they've got Moyle Lucy come back on the form. What What did you think of that game, Amy? I'll come to you first for that one. Yeah, no, as you said, I thought it was, it was probably one of the most complete performances we've seen in a while. Um, and it was a, a performance that's probably broke the mould of recent times as well. Everything just sort of clicked into shape. I thought that Livingston um, went up to scratch, to be honest. I, I think we probably expected to a little bit of a tougher task considering um, the kind of opposition they've been recently for us. But no, I was extremely uh, impressed by their performance. I thought um, Forrest was great. I thought Eddie done a lot of work off the ball. Um, Turnbull again and Moyle Nusi. So, as you said, every goal, I think there was a little bit of something special. Um, and it was just a really great team performance, I feel. Yeah, 100%. I, I think you rightly came across uh, 
David Turnbull there because he's been an absolute bright spark <coughs> this, this season anyway from what, what we can actually kind of, do you know what I mean? It's, it's almost like you look at Turnbull, you look at Forrest coming back and it's it's almost going, if we had these players fit and firing earlier, no Turnbull didn't really get his chance at Christmas and Forrest was a force in the answer. Do you think the season, John, could have turned out any differently or is that just clutching the straws? I mean, we know full well what this team's capable of um, and we know that they're, that they're winners and we're going to touch on this later as well but I firmly believe that we are by far on our day the better side and I think uh, if it's not just a case of I mean there's a lot of different variables to take into consideration but I think the up until or for the majority of the season the guys heads have dropped a bit um, and the uncertainty around the manager and everything else so for Kennedy to come in uh, and them starting to play some decent football under them uh, is certainly a positive. Um, and I thought it was a great game. So did I. It was kind of a throwback to the way we should be should be playing. Uh, well, under the Rogers era and probably the start of Neil Lennon when he, he took the control of the first full season where we're scoring goals for fun. But the, I don't know about you, Amy. <clears throat> the likes of Forrest, likes of Moyes, especially Moyes, there's a big question mark over his, his future. Do you think, going by the recent performances, I know... A lot of people say he's been inconsistent, and I've been one of them people. I think he's very inconsistent, and you get a run of two or three games where he's fantastic. I mean, I think it's something along the lines of 17 goals, seven assists at the moment this season, and he's our second top goal scorer. But do you think he he's one we should be pursuing to keep him for next season, or is it more the case if a manager comes in, he has to make that final say instead of the Celtic board? I think uh, it's, it's probably going to be two different answers from that. So personally, I, I would I would sign him in a heartbeat, I really would. Um, I think recent performances have certainly just shown that even more. I've, I've sort of always been in his, in his corner a little bit and I thought that there's always a player in there and perhaps maybe just a little bit of security. Knowing where his future lies would certainly help. But at the end of the day, you don't want to be spending money on a player that a manager um, wouldn't want. And if it be if it be how or whoever it, it will be, then you want them to ultimately have the final decision. Of course you do, because yeah, maybe right now Dominic McKay might even be looking at him and going, yeah, quite like that or whatever, but whoever comes in may not, and then that's just unfair on, on Elianusi himself, so that's why it's so crucial obviously that a manager comes in sooner rather than later, but if it was totally taken down to performances and how we're seeing right now, I would, I would have him in a heartbeat, I really would. I think I, I touched on it on uh, on, on Axon. When you see him in Norway, he plays that a little bit deeper. Um, and I think that's where you get his best performances from for his country. I thought he was excellent at the weekend. I really did. And I think Edward was drifting out to the left a little bit more. And it just gave Elio Nussi a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of freedom that he certainly doesn't always get. I think he links up really well with Greg Taylor as well. And I think it was a, the second ball, Taylor into, into Elio Nussi, who then... Obviously, Turnbull got the goal. I thought everything just sort of clicked. So, for me, it's a shoeing to get him in. It really is. Yeah, for me as well, I'm totally sure what you're saying in terms of him staying on next season. But again, it depends on what the new management structure wants. And if that decision is made above their heads, that's going to create a clown fix. So, you need the new management team in place before these decisions can be made. And as you said, if it's Eddie Howe or someone else, that, that needs to be done quite quickly. But, John, I'll come to you. Amy touched on a very good point there in terms of security. And I'm going to throw back the wee bit of coaching as well. What has John Kennedy brought that's different? Because we've seen before that game, uh, the 6-0 game, we had something like 102 shots on goal, sco- only scored five. But uh, the shots on goal are coming, and that was the, 
the doing was coming, the 6-0 was Livingston got. But what what do you think is the main difference that, that we're seeing? I, I personally, up until yesterday, didn't really see too much difference. I'm, I'm not going to say that they've been playing amazing, they've been free-flowing and passing the ball, one-two touch football. But that game against Livingston, there, there was a big difference, wasn't there? Oh, no, definitely. Um, I think for most of the season, though, it's been the same story. It's a case of Celtic have dominated possession. Um, we're getting shots on target. We're just not being clinical enough in the final third when it comes to finishing. Uh, I think Kennedy made some tactical changes as well uh, against Livingston that, that evidently made a, a big improvement. And Forrest being back uh, was obviously key to that. Uh, and I think it's just there's been a wee bit of a lift with everybody as well. And you could see them playing a wee bit more confidently. Um, and it just, everything just like you say, it just seemed to click. Uh, and it's sadly what we've been missing all year. But um, just to touch on the thing with uh, Moy, I think, much like Amy said there as well, um, it's a double-edged sword day, so it's I definitely would like to see him stay at the club, and I'm sure any manager coming into the club would like a player like that in the squad, because um, you need the best possible base available to you, um, and it's just another person we'd need to replace. Uh, so I think having him in the team would certainly be an upside because uh, we all we can all see how talented he is and how good a footballer he is and, and the fact he's scored as many goals as he has with limited starts as well shows his quality um, but yeah it, it ultimately um, the manager has got the final say and if the manager comes in and doesn't like the look of him and he ends up no playing and just sitting on the bench then obviously it's a move that's no working in his favour so I think Celtic uh, overall the board just need to get the finger out and get something done get somebody appointed so that we can start the whole rebuilding process and get these players secured um, yeah. and so that we can move on. Yeah. Another thing I've noticed as well, uh, James Forrest, when, when he's come back in the team, I said yeah. in the previous podcast that uh, it looked like John Kennedy was kind of shoehorning them into the number 10 position when he came on as a sub for his first game back, I think it was, and I was pretty vocal about that. But what I did notice, James Forrest has developed a lot of uh, football intelligence. I mean, He's popping up on the left, he's popped up on the centre and he's coming out on the, the right-hand side where he's more natural. But is that him doing that or do you think that's the coaching telling him to do that, Amy? Do you think there's a big difference in what we've seen with Neil Lennon and John Kennedy in charge? Uh, uh, come back to a point where I've seen in the game as well, the camera panned to the sidelines and John Kennedy, uh, Gavin Strachan and Stephen McManus were, were both were all giving instructions to players and they all seem to be listening and taking everything on board but it didn't seem like that under Neil Lennon. What do you think the major difference is there, Amy? Yeah, you're spot on. The the interaction certainly seems to be there. Um, you know, I think there was plenty of mean made out of it. You, you'd look at them with their, their legs crossed, arm crossed, sitting back in that seat like they, they didn't want to be there under Lennon. So it, it's fantastic to see them right on that touchline and, and like you say, integrating and um, interacting with, with the players. I don't know with Forrest. I think I think he's always been there. Obviously, he's he's what he's about twenty nine now, isn't he? He's no longer the kid, no matter how much he looks at. Um, <laughs> so of course that that um, that football and brain is going to um, develop and improve. And I think just before that injury, um, he really was getting he was getting shafted quite a lot out onto the onto the left, and he was doing okay. He really was doing okay. I think he was having to play out of position. I'm trying to think who was then playing on the right. I can't remember why we were shoehorning him over there, but there was definitely a reason we were. Um, and he would certainly manage um, to get a performance and so as it's great to see but I, as I've said he's one of the older heads now so he does have to be reading the game that little bit better but you know even for that um, that first that first goal it was a, a great ball from, from Edward but 
the run from Forrest and the first touch, the, the actual finish probably isn't one of his best. He's scuppered it a little bit, but that first touch is, that's no fluke that he's meant that. Um, and that's what that's what we have been missing, that little bit of intelligence that, you know, whoever's tried to fulfil that void of, of Forrest has just not been able to do. And it's just been so huge this season. You guys touched on it earlier. It's not been mentioned enough, actually. I think at the start of the season, everybody was sort of, when things were going wrong, it was going straight to the goalkeeper. Oh, we've not got Fraser Foster and it's Barca's fault or Bain's fault. Nobody really mentioned, though, wow, we're missing that such an asset up front because he's just always been the whipping boy for us. Um, and, you know, it just goes to show that how big an influence he has had in these last few years. Maybe when Sinclair's been, been getting the attention on Edouard or Dembele, he's been doing all that dragon work on um, on the right-hand side. And it's just shown when it's taken away. It's, it's that cliche, you never really know how good something is until you don't have it. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Another thing as well that I noticed as well, John, I don't know about you, there seems to be, as Amy rightly said, there seems to be a lot more running behind because what we were screaming at before in previous games, all the players seem to be coming towards the ball, but now you've got Turnbull breaking the lanes, you've got Christie when he's on breaking the lanes, you've got Forrest doing that. Is that another big factor into, into why we actually won that 6-0 game instead of tippy-tappy football in front of the defence? I, I thought some of the combination of football was fantastic, as Amy rightly said. The Edward and Forrest link up for the first goal was unbelievable. And, and that's, for me, what we've been missing all season. That penetrative run to get in behind our defenders and turn them. Because every every other game you see, the, the, the opposition team are sitting back and they're hitting the ball long up to our defence. Something happens and then they score from a miracle. That's been a common symptom of this season. But do you yeah. think seeing that they're running behind is just a... It's it's just good a good way to see Celtic playing again towards the end of the season. I know there's nothing really to play for apart from the Scallies Cup, but yeah, what, what's your opinion on that? I mean, definitely it was good to see, and I think that it's absolutely right. We've missed that bit of creativity in that, um, and we've been shouting on it on this podcast as well for a number of weeks that how much we've missed the width because the, the, we've been tactically start uh, set up to to start games hasn't hasn't played into that, and we've not had any real wide players uh, playing in those positions where we can utilise that. But it looked like Kennedy. Um, went for the the four two three. So you had the likes of Forrest now. You know, say playing sort of inside, uh, as inside forwards and coming in, uh, and breaking those lines and getting cutting in uh, and using utilizing the width that we've got. I think Forrest plays a large part in that, and it's definitely I think it was evident that we've missed that because we've not really had a a wide right player that was capable uh, of playing there, um, and that's why we'd seen so many number tens on the park at the same time because we've missed that sort of wide right uh, sort of player to, to start there, the natural sort of wide player. So I think Forrest's return played a big part in the fact that uh, we were able to play the way we did uh, and, like you say, to, to make those runs and get in behind the defence because we've said it before, but it's too much tippy-tappy football in front of their defence and we're struggling in the final third. We're not breaking any lines. We're not getting the ball. Trying to essentially walk it into the net as well. So getting the ball out wide and Taylor... And our wing backs as well are playing a large part in that and, and help them. So I think it is definitely a progression and it's definitely a, a positive and hopefully we can carry that going into the game at the weekend. Yeah, for me as well, it was, it, I actually enjoyed the game as a Celtic fan. I actually enjoyed watching us score them goals. It was quite refreshing to see all the players, their combination of football, getting in behind and scoring goals. A fantastic link-up play as Amy's rightly touched upon. But I want to go to the subs. And I don't want to pigeonhole here and bring a negative into it, but for me, there seems to be a problem with Albion and Eddie. 
and I don't know what's going on. I, I've championed him. I think there's a player in there, and the same with Kamala, but he seems to be out the door. Amy, what do you think's going on in regards to the players like Ayeti and Kamala, and even Griffiths to a certain extent? We've got three strikers, but none of them seem to be match fit. It, it's, is it a symptom of the coaching that we're seeing, or is it just their attitudes? I think it has to be their attitudes. Um, for starters, I'd say that one by one. Kamala, I think you're right. I do think he's out the door. Um, I can't believe all that social media nonsense that let's get rock and roll of that when he came. Um, that's just been it's just been a disaster since the very beginning, hasn't it? It's just never ticked off for, for Kamala at all. For Griffiths, um that that has to just be an attitude issue. Um I try and advocate and champion for him as long as possible and I still think I'm a mug that I'm gonna to continue to do so, but I can't see myself not. Um I actually thought he'd done all right for the last goal. I think he, he initially put the pressure on um, on Ambrose and obviously Christie then de- uh, delivered. But for Griffiths, it's just when you take them all together, and then I'll touch on on a Yeti, it looks evident that Edward's leaving in the summer. Um, and we all know that, and they all know that. This is a golden opportunity to be proven. You don't need to go out and buy the number nine. I'm your next number nine. I am going to lead the line. I can fill that void. And none of the three of them are proven it. For a Yeti, you're spot on. I am. Um, I have no idea what's going wrong there. Since that hamstring injury, he's just never, never really recovered. He he, he hit the ground running when he came, and I, I thought he was really one of those that sort of poacher striker that was missed. Um, my God, he's certainly not going to fill the fill the presence of Edward or turn into a Dembele. That's not his style of play. But he he could grab the goals. Um, and it's been a long time since we've we've had a striker like that, and every team needs one of them. He will get you a goal, the scrappiest one. Um, and those one nils, two nils, probably kept two ones and whatever. They probably kept us going that little bit of hope too much at the beginning of the season. I'd love to know actually how many um, last minute winners and whatever um, a Yeti actually did contribute to. But he looks so down and out right now. You're coming on. What did they come on with? About twenty minutes to go the other day. Um, you're, yeah, your your team's strolling. You you're playing against a defence who are, are really struggling. Levy looked out on their feet. Um, pretty much from the, the, the get-go this is your chance to, to make a little bit of an impact Kennedy uh, Kennedy, John Joe Kenny sorry was putting balls on the plate for him um, he really was it wasn't like he was having to do a lot of work but he just he wasn't in the right place at the right time um, and that's not just trying to be a little bit jovial he was he should have been in that place it wasn't a, a weird one it was pretty simple you know that ball's going to get delivered into the danger area and he was not there he was a good half a second off the pace always he's lingering around the edge of the box he's he's yet to really score a screamer so don't be hanging about there especially when you've just had you know you've you've got Christy on the pitch and you've got all these players on the pitch who, who do so well from that sort of range get in there you're the striker you're the forward you're leading that line get in and around that six yard box it's where he's most impactful as well so no, there's something just not going right there. Um, and obviously the whole thing was, is it obviously came from West Ham, it never really worked in there, and he was trying to to find the form that he had um, at Basel. Well, he's certainly not done it here. Um, and it, it's disappointing, it certainly is. I think, of all people, Frank McAvenny's uh, came out in the last few days and it's just like, I can't believe his, his attitude and there's just he's just not really there as a forward. He's not thinking like a forward. And, and that's worrying, that's concerning. Um, so... Yeah, I do think it's probably down and out for him. Or if it's not, he needs to get his act together in these last two months. But at the weekend, there was a golden opportunity and he certainly missed that. 
Yeah. I mean, do you remember that game um, Stuck in the Mud when it used to be Tipney had to stand still? It looks like to me that he's running in mud. He just seems so lethargic. He looks, he looks so disinterested. And you're right to allude to as well, Amy. I think he scored, he scored five or six goals for Celtic, and most of them have been tap-ins from five yards. And when he was doing that, we all thought he'd be a cracking player because, as you said, every team needs that poacher. Every team needs that striker you can rely on to score one goal like that if it's a dirty win, uh, 1-0 or 2-0. But, John, I'm going to throw something in here. Like You look at the free strikers, Kamala, Ayeti, and Griffiths, right? And a lot of people saying it's attitude. Me, myself, personally, that's the camp I'm on. I think it's an attitude problem now rather than fitness. And what I'm looking at, you've got Odson Edward, right? And he's kneeled on to start every week. Every week, no matter what. Even if he has a slight knock, you know he's going to be playing. Do you think it's a case maybe they've got it in their heads and they're like, what's the point of even trying if Edward's fit and available? He's going to be the main man. But to counter it, a professional footballer getting paid big wages should be motivated all the time, especially playing for a club like Celtic Football Club. But you see these modern-day footballers that throw their heads up when they're not given chances, but it's it's almost like they expect to be given the chance instead of earning it, if you know what I mean, John. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, again, that, that comes back to their attitude. And I think that if if that's the sort of mentality that they've got, then they, they don't need to be at the club. And I don't agree with this whole... Thing that players are thinking of because Edwards maybe starting or he's a shoe in to start, then why bother trying? Because essentially you need to fight for your place, and it's 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 the same for every position throughout the team. Um, and like he says, with Edwards leaving, it's like this is your opportunity to to sort of state your claim and, and let the anybody coming in know that you're the guy. Um, and it's an opportunity for you to uh, to, to get regular football. And if if they've came to Celtic to try and kickstart their career as Amy alluded to there with, with a Yeti, uh, it wasn't working for him down south, he's came up here maybe looking for a bit of, uh, to find his form again, kickstart his career you're not going to do that if you're not trying and ultimately you're going to end up at some lower league team because you're not putting in performances and you're not attracting interest for anybody else either, so I can't imagine why any modern day footballer isn't putting 100% into everything that they're doing, uh, both in training and on the pitch. Uh, so I do think that the fact that we're seeing it that way, uh, the majority of it comes down to attitude. Um, but I've touched on this before as well previously, and I think that some players just can't, like the tactical side, it just doesn't play to their strengths. Uh, and it's, it's entirely possible that for the likes of Yeti, um, that the type of player that he is and the type of football that we play doesn't play to his strengths, and it, it's it's just a, a sort of marriage that's not working in, in essence. So I think that attitude definitely plays a part in that because you can see he looks lethargic, as you said, uh, and I would agree with that completely. Uh, but I think tactically as well, it's just it's no tactics that suit the type of player that he is. Or, or the style of player uh, for me and I think tactics plays a large part in a lot of these guys and you see it and we had this argument previously as well you see it at international level some players are phenomenal at club level then they go away and they're an entirely different setup with different players and they just can't perform and I think that, that you either are able to adjust and have the attitude and the mentality to, to work on it and, and put yourself in a position where you can adapt or you can and for me, he's just one of the players who's not been able to adapt, and I don't think it's a right fit for him up here. 
I mean, for me as well, John, just to counter what you said there about the, the tactics and stuff, uh, the, the way I look at it is, why should a club who has a set way of playing at the moment, I mean, at the moment, yeah, the season's been a catastrophe, but Celtic do have a set way of playing in this time of formation and alternating between the 4 2 3 1. But why, why should a club give change their tactics just to suit one player? I, I think a professional footballer should be adaptable for a, a tactic system, not yeah. just one certain tactic that they can never play. They can no, never play what, another tactic. That's what I'm what saying. I mean? I mean, these players have to be adaptable, and, and if, if you're coming at modern day footballers need that. They need to be able to adapt to the, any new surroundings and any new sort of tactical changes and that. And if they've been playing a certain way for their career and then they come into a setup and it's entirely different from what they're used to, then they need to get the heat down and work at it and, and, and mm. make sure that they adapt. I'm not saying that Celtic should change or switch anything up to suit anybody. It's like it's these players' responsibility and to, to, to adapt uh, to, to whatever tactical setup's in place. Um, but some people can, some people can't. And in my case, I don't think I yet can. Yeah, no, that's that's 100%. And as well, another thing that baffles me, Moyel Nussi and Albin Eddy actually had a good partnership at, at Basel when they played together in the, the Switzerland League. They played in European games and they were scoring goals for fun, I think. El Nussi played a bit deeper, as Amy alluded to at the start of the show, like a number 10 stat. But Amy, I'll come to you. So just for example, if Eddy, Kamala, Griffiths and Edward all are not in the manager's books next season. And I'm not saying that all four are going to go, but the way that it's looking at the moment, Ayadi doesn't cut the mustard. Kamala tries hard, but again, it's not working for him. Griffiths seems to be in between because Celtic are thinking about taking up the option of the year contract or otherwise go to another club. And then you've got Edward, who is probably going to leave Celtic. Where does that leave us for next season? Surely to God, there needs to be a plan in place now to get reinforcements in. There better be. Um, there really better be. It's it's worrying to think, like you say, you start a season with four strikers and you could end up with zero. Um, uh, uh, there, there better be workings going on behind the scene. It's quite worrying, actually, to think otherwise. What are you going to do? Stick Kelly Nussi up top, stick Christie up top. I think Christie will be away as well, to be honest. Um, and neither of that, neither of those two up top you want. Um you talk about shoehorning players in, that's not shoehorning players in, that's forcing players then to play out of position and you don't want that either. So, no, it's a horrible situation really to be in and I don't know who they're thinking of bringing in. Um, you can talk about different names all you want um, and obviously it will depend on each manager um, or whatever manager, sorry, does come in. But you'd like to think that maybe one would stay, but my God, it would be like a... A Russian roulette sort of thing to to figure out which one it is, and which one really deserves it at the end of the day. You know, we're talking about oh, it'd be great to keep one. Do any of them really deserve to be playing for Celtic? Now you could be going down that route. The whole, you know, any shirt doesn't. Eh, sorry, a uh, shirt doesn't fit to an interior player, an inferior player. My God, but it's just it's a mess. It really is a mess looking at it. So there has to be a plan in place, and there better be because if you're looking at it. You're staring at how how long until a Champions League qualifier? Eighty days, maybe something like that. That could be yeah. just plucking out a, a random number, but it's not a million miles away. Put it that way. So there has to be plans in place. It really does. I, I'm not advocating, obviously, for these players to all jump ship. I mean, the way the way you said there, Amy, is is quite right. These players haven't earned their place at Celtic Football Club, and what's the point keeping strikers around or personnel around? It's just quite simply not good enough just to fill out squad numbers. Which brings me on to the the John Kenley scenario. I've seen a lot of people recently, whether it's social media, whether it's my own friends, 
that are quite warming to the way John Kenley's playing and he speaks in the media. I'm going to go to you first, John. And you know my point of view, I don't think John Kenley should be considered for the Celtic job. But just for example, if he goes on a win and run till the end of the season and he wins the Scottish Cup, does that put him in the shop window for Celtic to, to give him a job? Or is it just a case of him building his profile up for another job? I'd, no, um, we said uh, a number of weeks ago as well when Kennedy was appointed, even if he went on to, to win the Scottish Cup, uh, etc., that I still personally don't believe uh, he should be in the job. Um, how he speaks to the media it, isn't the making a manager. And, I mean, it doesn't, uh, performances aside, like we've had one good game and all season really, and that was just recently against Livingston. Uh, and they disrespect to Livingston, but they're no, it's like he's yet to have a result against a, a, a bigger side. We need it. If he gets a result against Rangers this coming weekend, then it's like people are definitely going to be chatting, put his name forward and say, oh, he's a man for the job, etc. And I, I don't think he is. I would like, I don't mind him being at Celtic in a coaching capacity. He obviously knows the club. He's been there all his life. Um but no, how how he speaks, to, how well he speaks to the media, shouldn't it be something that we should be even remotely entertaining? And that's a man like I just want a, a manager to come in and take over the role. Somebody, a man manager who is tactically sound. I don't think Kennedy is. I don't think he's the right man for the job. And for me, regardless, he, I mean, we could put in six nothing performances between now and then the Scottish Cup, winning the Scottish Cup. I'm still not going to back him for manager. Yeah, I mean, I think we're quite clear in our stance. And I, I myself am firmly on your camp there, John. I, I don't think John Kenley should be considered for, for a Celtic job at all. Yes, granted, they may get a few good performances tonight and end of the season. But if you're if you're thrown in the fact that he speaks well, I mean, get us all, we could do the job, surely. But that's not the way management goes. But, Amy, I want to come to you first. I'm actually interested. What, what's your opinion with the, the whole John Kenley situation? Do you think he, he should be around? And also the management side of things as well. What's your opinion on the whole thing at the moment? Um, I don't think he should be around at all. I think he is and was part of the problem, as was um, Gavin Strachan for sure. You know, it's. I think it speaks volumes as well that when Lenny left, that they didn't go with him. I don't know how much, obviously, with how much the board saw they maybe persuaded them to stay, the fact that there wouldn't be a manager put right back into place or a head coach. But I'd like to have um, thought that there was you know, a little bit of solidarity with Lennon from Kennedy and Strachan because it is, you can't be a part of the team when things are going right, but then the minute something's going wrong, just stick it all on one man's shoulders. And I'm not for anything saying that Lennon's not at fault because of course he was and at the end of the day, he is the the main man. He's number one, but he has a team behind him. He was already stuck with them. Um, and they've not certainly not, from this point of view, shown him a lot of support. So I personally, I wouldn't be wanting Kennedy around. And I'm going to, once again, I think he's going to start, I'm going to start paying him to use this. I keep referring to um, Tony Haggerty's Celtic <laughs> fans deserve a appointment, not a disappointment. And Kennedy would be a disappointment. Of course, as, as you guys have said, he is uh, a Celtic guy through and through. My first game at um, Parkhead was actually his testimonial. Um so, you know, he has, he bleeds the club, he really does. Again, as you've said, just because he speaks well to the media does not mean that he can be the Celtic manager. Um, even more so what John said, it's been one decent performance against Livingston. And as we said, it was not a Livingston who are flying high. It's not the Livingston of January. 
it's um, they're really suffering from post cup final blues, and it was really actually kicking in before that. I think the original fairy tale honeymoon period, the Martindale, is is true is well and truly gone now. So you're not hitting on a team that are, are are riding high, like you say. But even then, even if you get a result against against Rangers at the weekend, I'm still not on that bandwagon, and I don't think anything will make me on that bandwagon. As you guys have said, you can probably win everything, um, every game, Scottish Cup up until now. But it's just keeping things too similar. We're really looking for a rebuild here. Appointing Kennedy isn't a rebuild. It's just it's slogging on, dragging on, and not really taking this opportunity for a clean slate. You know, it's going to be a new chief exec, a new club captain. It has to be a new, well, ideally a new head coach. So I guess that's the second part um, answer to your question. I don't really want a manager coming in. You don't want that, just one dictatorship of probably what would have been Roy Keane. You're looking for that head coach role and a director of football or head of football operations, whatever title it's going to be. Obviously, each one is a little bit different. And again, I still don't really know which one I would prefer. Um, I think director of football is probably the most well-known, but then you look at football operations and you look at all these different things that there is different terminology for a reason because it, they do fulfil just slightly different roles if it be a technical director you know like you look at Fletcher down at, um, at Man United but I think this is now now is the time for a little bit of a shake-up and a little bit of change and of course change is scary um, and I appreciate I'm that little bit younger generation and maybe it is a little bit naive just wanting to go in all guns blazing into something new and I can totally understand that there are there are others who are a little bit more sceptical about it and don't want to change too much because if it all goes if it all hits the fan then it's one just one massive crisis but I think you've got to take that risk and you know you, you think back to that Brendan Rogers Green Brigade let's go all in let's go all in um the whole point was it's it's, it's clear there's been no plan b obviously planning this season was one ten. And, and have a party obviously that's not happened but what was plan b because there's looking like there's nothing everything's really falling apart with the chief exec and, and with the club captain so now it is looking like it is the time for a clean slate altogether because there's not that b to rely on so you know head coach director of football that's the direction that i would like to see the club going in obviously i'm i am i am still hopeful of how no matter how much these people are saying that it's not going to happen or till the summer at least and Obviously, I think we were all a little bit hopeful, maybe too hopeful, a bit eager that it was going to happen a little bit sooner rather than later. A few weeks ago, there were there a few inklings that it was imminent, um, and that doesn't seem to be the case. But I just, I do, I do think the clean slate is due, um, and now's the time to do it. Yeah, I mean, just to come back to you as well, Amy, in regards to the the management side of the things, you you would definitely wouldn't like our group chat because I personally at the moment don't think Eddie Howe will be the Celtic manager, just my own personal reason, but. I, I want him, he is my, my first choice and a lot of people think it would be a negative when I say that, but when you drag on these things and especially being out in the media and everyone can see it, it's in the public eye and there's still nothing from any camp are you firmly on the how bus and if, if you are, what makes you confident that he's going to take over? Because for me, there's been no concrete sign yet that he's coming to Celtic Football Club. No, there's not really been that concrete sign um, I am still hopeful, I'm definitely still hopeful, I think that this is the sort of project he's after. You know, he's, for the last near on 10 years, he's probably been touted as one of the most inspirational and aspiring and full of potential young managers out there. Um, 
right from the first time at Bournemouth, I think people forget, obviously, it was two stints at Bournemouth. He's done a lot. He's He's been in every single division in English football and kept them in the Premier League. And that's the biggest thing. You can get to the Premier League, but staying in the Premier League for as long as Bournemouth did on their budget, um, that is one incredible achievement. It wasn't maybe the best move at Burnley. Um, and by all means, he's the first to, to kind of admit, admit that. I think one of the biggest hindrances will be his family. Um, but you'd like to think that maybe... You know, that was maybe an issue a few years ago. COVID definitely changes things. Um, who knows for the better or for the good in that sense that if it's made them want to, you know, it's two sides to the coin that do either not want to force your family out and and not really change anything or is it now the time that, look, life's short, let's let's try something new. But, you know, it's definitely an enticing project for any manager. Um, but certainly for that young, youthful manager who's looking to be something new, get back into the game, a bit of a project. You'll have seen what Rodgers done, how that's progressed Rodgers' career um, and landed that big job at Leicester. And of course, that's, that is where Howe is destined to be. He will be one of the top flight managers in England again um, and of one of the top top teams. Um, and that's no disrespect to Bournemouth, but he'll definitely be in that top 10. So, you know, but this is a great project for him. It really is. And that's what it is. It's a project. It's something new. You're not coming into the old ways that you've seen maybe other managers in the past go, oh, I didn't really like the look of it. There was things, you know, not going right or I wasn't really appealing by that. By all means, it's looking as much like a clean slate as you're possibly going to get. Dominic Mackay so far is doing everything right. Um, Almost by keeping quiet, he's he's doing right. He's coming in that little bit quicker, um, which definitely means... It means it makes him look eager that he's wanting to to learn from Lowell because we can you can slate Peter Lowell as long as you want, but there is a lot of good that he's done for the club and there's a lot of good that he's still doing for the club. Because at the end of the day, for him, it's a business. Um, you can say if he's a fan or whatever it may be, but it is a business and he has kept this business extremely well run in the toughest of times. So it's great for for Mackay to come in and to really you know learn the little bits that. Just the corridors, the people in there, you know, and it's great to see. So from that perspective, everything's going well. I'm a little bit younger and everything's just looking a little bit more positive. So for me, I just, I can't really see why not for how. Um, yeah. Of course, how would be great for us, but we're also going to be great for how. Um, it is that stepping stone that ultimately wants to get back to that, that top flight in, um, in England. And this is the perfect stone to do it. And I know... You know, people, especially obviously Celtic fans, don't like us to be known as a stepping stone sort of club. But that's what we are. You know, you've got to. I'm twenty. That we've. I've always sort of seen us as a stepping stone club. Um, we're not the European giant that we used to be. We are a giant in Europe, absolutely in European history. But we are not a European giant. We don't have the money for that. We don't have the. We have the stature. We have the history for that. But we don't have the finances and really the players to be a giant. In Europe, in, in Europe, so it's great for. I just think it's great for all for all camps. I really do. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. We are getting we are we are coming from in terms of why not for. I think that's a perfect way to sum that up. But the the way I look at I look at the stepping stone the stepping stone argument. I I can't. I do agree with you, Amy, to, to an extent. Where yes, we have to be be resigned to the fact that these big players won't be staying with us, or big managers won't be staying for us for a long, long period of time. But again, Celtic do need to show that ambition to keep these players in place and a, a new management team for years to come. But ju- just looking ahead to to the game at the weekend against Rangers, uh, the cup game, which was moved from the Saturday to the Sunday for, I don't know why, but yeah. I, 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 
what what's your what, what's your feeling, John, getting into this game? Are you confident of a result? And just to delve a wee bit into the the side of the game, what are you expecting to see from Celtic as well? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 confident. Um, I think we've got a, a great record against Rangers in the Scottish Cup. Know that that really stands for anything, but um, I think the games we've played them this year, I think we've been the better team in two. But we're unfortunate that we lost a game through an own goal. And one of them uh, in the last game there, we were playing them off the park as well. We just again couldn't finish um, our dinner really. So it it, it was just uh, I, I'm I think if we play more of the same and we play with a wee bit more confidence like we did against Livingston. We utilise the width, hopefully Forrest, uh, the knock that he took isn't he going to keep him out of that game and he comes back, he, he starts. That I reckon that we're in a perfect position to actually put a few by them. So I, I'm fairly confident now, uh, I think. And I think, like I said, if, if we stick to the the sort of same for, sort of formation uh, that we did against Livingston and play with that confidence and being a little bit more clinical um, in front of goal, then I think we'll, we'll beat them no bother. Because as I said earlier, uh, and as Kennedy touched on as well, um, we on our day we know we're the better club and we know we're the better team. And I don't think that's up for debate. The Rangers have been lucky this year that we have been underperforming, and even at that, we're still second in the league. Um, we're, we've not been as clinical as we have been in recent years. Heads have dropped. There's been a lot of changes. And I think Rangers are fortunate that we've not been firing on all cylinders because I reckon if, if we had been playing to the potential and playing to the way or playing the way we know we can play uh, and etc., then uh, we would have walked it. But it's just not been the case. But I, I'm confident that this this game this weekend will be a turning point. See, that's, that's what I'm thinking as well in terms of the game, I want to believe that we can give them an absolute doing it, I really do, but again, you link it back to the actual side, as you said, there was games where we, we were the better team, and we couldn't finish our dinner, it seems to me there's a mental block this year against them, and we know, fine rightly, you rightly touched upon, we are the better team, there is, there's no question about that at all, but Amy, why do you think this season, and the games after Christmas, so to speak, why do you think there's been some sort of just, I don't know what it is. It seems to be we can't score or we can't do anything right against them. There is periods of play that were fantastic and we look like we're on the ball and we look like we can score bar loads of goals, but it never really turns out that way. And I'm looking at it as the way John is. We are the better team on our day. Surely that should be a question in, in terms of going into this game. If we're, if we're on, the, on, on, on the day, if we're playing our A game, we should win easily. Is, is that the way you're thinking about this? Uh, I'm going to bring the tone right down. I don't. Um, I totally agree with you guys that, um, you know, we've, as John's touched upon, we've really underperformed this year. There's no denying that. But I don't know if this is me trying to be a little bit too impartial, but I I really, I look at Rangers and, you know, I am impressed by them this year. Um, They're grinding out results that, they really wouldn't have in, in previous season seasons and they haven't had in pre- previous seasons. You know, everybody talks about that January dip. That's not happened this year and that's not happened this year for a reason. They had that mentality and that champion's mentality. And at the end of the day, I, I think Kennedy's comments are a funny one. I really do. I think maybe that's him trying to get on side with the fans. Are we the better team? I really, right now, I really don't know. Um... Edward's not quite fired in the way that you'd like him to be. Um, 
we're at a makeshift defence still, really. I don't think that we're the, the strongest there. Um, and at the end of the day, the, every single time the best team wins the league, it's consistency. You know, you're still looking at a Rangers side that are going unbeaten in the league. And and that's what I'm talking about. That They have up their game. Of course, we've our game has considerably dropped. But I, I totally um, I disagree with John that if we were firing on all cylinders with the... We'd have strolled this. We certainly wouldn't have strolled it, I don't feel. Um, it'd have been nice to see it a little bit more competitive. Um, and I could see it probably emulating um, when we stopped stopped Rangers 10. But I'd, I'm certainly not holding that same amount of confidence. Yeah, it's been one great result against Livy, but I'm not filled, um, filled with a lot. You know, I'm, I watch Rangers, I look at Rangers. I think that they're really set up well, even. You know, they're playing without Tavernier, who we've arguably been for years saying right he's that sort of link um, he's, he's that quality deliverer obviously not defensively I, I still really doubt his, his capabilities in defence but going forward you, you cannot deny the, the balls that he puts on the plate for, for their forwards but you know even without them he's not really without him sorry he's not struggled um, I look at Glenn Kamara I think he's a really really classy player Alan McGregor in goals of course has saved Saved literally saved them on so many occasions. Um, that's not just this season, or just in the league. It's in Europe. It's it's outstanding. And you know that's another thing you need to look at. Look at their European run this year. Um, I'd like to find a Celtic fan that wouldn't bite off the, some of the results that Rangers have pulled off. Yeah, they were definitely lucky, especially in the group stage, playing a lot of um, COVID depleted squads. But they got they turned out at the end of the day. Obviously, it didn't finish the way they wanted, but. They put in some fantastic performances and, and you can't really take that away from them. So I think it's going to be a really, really interesting game at the weekend. Um, I think definitely it's it's great that we've, we're coming in on the back of a 6-0 victory. It's fantastic. It, it rifles the fans up a little bit. You know, Kennedy's coming out with a little bit of fight and that is great to see and that and that's what you want. Um, but I, don't, I really don't share the same confidence as you guys. Maybe after this pod, I'll come off a little bit more hopeful. I mean, I'm actually happy, I mean, that there's a disagreement and finally no one called me out. It was straight to John because usually on the <laughs> podcast, I'm the one who gets it thick. But I, I 100% get where you're coming from in terms of the way they're playing. I think a big major difference this year, they have a better coach than Celtic. That's plain and simple. I think we have the better players on paper. But again, what, what you already said, players don't win your football matches. It's the way your tactics are set up, the way you're coached, the way you're drilled. And European football points to that as well. We've failed at European football for years now. And you look across the city and they're making it the knockout stages and they're getting quite far, finishing top of the group. I know we've done last season, but our European form this season has been absolutely abysmal. Um, John, what's your what's your response back to me in terms of what you said to you there? I mean, I can, yeah, I, I can see where she's coming from. She definitely made some good points. Um, but I think what Kennedy's, trying to take Kennedy's comments out of context, he, he did say on our day, Know that we're, I mean, because we haven't been the better team this year, absolutely not, and the league table's a reflection of that. Um, but as I said, even while we were going through some of our worst patches, we've played them twice, we've played them off the park twice. We had an unfortunate own goal uh, that we lost three points, and um, like I said, the last game there that we played them a couple of weeks ago, again, we played them off the park, and we just couldn't score, we couldn't get a result, uh, and that comes down to like. Amy said as well, McGregor's been phenomenal for them this year. But in saying that, they have also scraped results. They've no been 
I don't think they've been performing overwhelmingly better than or, or, or as good as people are making out that they have. A lot of the results have been scrapes, uh, I think, and you can say it's a conspiracy or whatever you want to call it, but they've had a lot of calls in their favour uh, and a lack of calls against them. Um, it's. I think that, like you said, on paper, I think we, we, we know we're the better team because by and large, this is the same, more or less the same players we've had in recent seasons. Um, and they know how to win. And we know how good they are. We've just been underperforming this year. And it, it's unfortunate because I, I still firmly believe that on our day, when, when they are playing to their capabilities, we, we are by far a better team. And my confidence coming into this game is not necessarily just off the back of the fact that we just got Livingston, but more down to the fact that we've played them twice already this year where we've played them off the park completely. One game they never even registered a shot against us, although they did do that to us at the start of the season. But like I said, that was when we weren't particularly performing well and we, 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 were, we were struggling and we've still done that. And I think that we'll, we'll step up against them and we're going into this game with a wee bit more confidence and we, we look a wee bit better. And we've got players back that we didn't have previously. We're setting up differently and we just look a wee bit more tactically sound uh, set up for coming into that. So, yeah, I, I, I think, Amy, you made fantastic points, definitely. And, and I would love to have had a European run like they did and I'll tip my hat to them for that. But I don't think they've been... The outstanding this year, I think they've been extremely lucky, and I think a lot of that plays into the fact that we've they've not had any challenge for us. Mm-hmm. I think as well, to take into account, we kind of had the, the flag of surrender up from the start of the season. The way we started was an absolute uh, catastrophe from start to finish. But anyway, coming to, uh, to a point with John made there, which is quite interesting, when he said conspiracy, I, I think not, to be honest. I mean, I've seen today that they've conceded no penalties in the Scottish Premier League against them. And also, what's your opinion on the, this appeal that they've kind of they've threw in here for Nathan Patterson to play against Celtic? Obviously, Gerard's come out and said that uh, if he was John Kennedy, he'd be worried if a good player ten against him as well. But I, I don't necessarily think that's where John Kennedy's coming from. I think, from a Celtic point of view, it's more why are they allowed to do this, and there is no avenue for Celtic to do these things. What's your opinion on that situation? Yeah, it's a bit ugly. Um, it's a bit messy, and you know. You can call it conspiracy all you want or whatever whatever you want to uh, name it. It's just, you know, I think there was Gerard last week, wasn't he? He's, you know, yeah. oh, the, 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 um, that, that's really debilitating and, um, you know, you're hindering a young player's progress if if you stick a ban on him. Well, you know, he shouldn't have went to the party. So, so. You, you can't be you can't be trying to stick that on it. That's, that's one of the best excuses I've heard, actually. I enjoyed that one. Um, got a fair lap out of that but um, it's an odd one it really is it's you know you, you, I, I, get, I don't actually get it um, I think all in all I actually think managers should try and say as little as, as possible about these situations if it be ball and golly or if it be the Rangers five or whatever it is you know you look at it, Patterson he's a great prospect he really is and from a Scottish point of view that it's really great to see Um it's exciting but you know it's a bit iffy you look at they're out Tavernier's out sorry um, and really the only one that he is pushing for is is Patterson well you wonder why so it, it doesn't it doesn't reflect well on them but I think 
don't try and one, don't try and bring Kennedy's name into it or whatever. Just if you want to talk a whole load of rubbish, just talk a whole load of rubbish. But again, I just keep going back to that laughing one. You know, the the SFA they're they're trying to hinder a young prospect's career enhancements or whatever it may be. What a lot of rubbish. <laughs> I think, I think as well that's, that's an addition to the banter years that they had previously. But we'll move on from the, the touchy subjects and go on to something a wee bit more lighthearted before we finish up the show. I think we've covered a lot of topics there and a lot of great points made by both John and Amy and myself too. But going on to some of her favourite cup moments, I'll go to Amy first as the guest. What what sticks out for your mind in terms of Celtic Scully's cup, cup moments that you've just thought, wow, or is this something you've just enjoyed watching? What kind of game? Didn't even have to be a final, but what game sticks out for you? So obviously, I think the the invincible that was obviously the first one um, that comes to mind. That the Rogic goals just, you know, that's ingrained in the mind forever. It really is. Um, that that's just stunning. But I think that's a little bit too obvious. I think for me, um, probably the first one when I think of Scottish Cup is it's probably the shame game. I um, just you know it was it was a midweek game in the dark at Parkhead under the lights that should just one never happen um how stupid I am um, but it, it's well known that I have uh um I was a huge fan of Mark Wilson growing up um and yeah so for him to get the winner in that game that was oh that was amazing that was that sticks out and then for me obviously I touched upon the invincible final there but my favorite final was um 2013 against Hibs uh 3-0 it was Hooper a Hooper double and then Joe Ledley, who is just, oh my God, literally a God. Um, it was just everything about that day. The, the sun, the strip, it was it's that beautiful black strip that we had, the, the tricolour on the sleeves. Um, but that whole start in 11, I just I just loved that Celtic side. It was obviously, it was under Lennon, you know, Fraser Foster, Mulgrew and, and Kelvin Wilson at the back. Um, Hooper and Stokes and Forrest up top. Ledley, Commons and Brown in midfield, you know, you can't ask for a lot better than that. And then Lustig and Azagiri on the wings, um on the fullback, sorry. So it was just it's a terrific side and um it's one of the the finals I really, really enjoy looking back on uh Hooper double and then like I say, literally watching your hero score in the cup final is just um you know, it doesn't happen very often when your hero's Joe Ledley, but it's it was fantastic and that's that's the one that really sticks out for me. Yeah, that that was a fantastic game, and also Mark Wilson touched upon him. I listened to the interview you done with him, which was fantastic. He's a, he was a brilliant player. I think he he's fastly underrated by many Celtic fans, which is quite unfortunate. But he was a he was a solid right back, and he gives Celtic a lot of years of service. But I mean, th- them types of games, uh, them players like Isagiri and all, that's going back going back to the Neil Lennon first there, and it was just fantastic. Them players play for the jersey; they wanted to be there, like they wanted to be a part of something special. And you've seen them days when we won, won them trophies. It, it meant so much. And it's just unfortunate, again, you come back to this season and it just seems to mean so little to some of these players. But, John, I'll go to yourself. What's, what what Scottish Cup moment sticks out for yourself in memory? For me, the the Scottish Cup final against Aberdeen, I know it's, it's maybe a cliche to go to that one because it's the most recent one in memory. But to, to, to finish that season as Invincibles and, and the way we've done it, I, I, um, I thought that was absolutely incredible. I remember exactly where I was when I was watching it. I was doing visiting uh, my mate in Cornwall. Um and he's not really a Celtic fan. Um he, he supports Leeds. <laughs> but he I was watching the game at his house and he, he just it, I don't think he understood the magnitude of it and why it was so important and I, I pretty much stood in front of his T V the entire ninety minutes. 
Um, and I think I'd done laps his street after after Rogers scored. I didn't even see the, the end of the game. I was outside celebrating. So um, I, I thought it was just that sticks out for me just because I, I, I remember it so vividly. But um, I think I'll go a wee bit left field and just say in terms of Scottish Cup, I'm going to move away for Celtic um, and I'm going to go back. If you remember um, when it was Hibs uh, put Rangers out in the final. Oh, yeah. So I'll just say a wee, a wee nod to Hibs. That was a, that was, I remember watching that game and that, that that's another one that sticks with me. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to say, yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> I know we're maybe given we're on a Celtic podcast, but just uh, I, I take great enjoyment in watching them losing as well. So. <laughs> I think that's the view of everyone. And just everyone will know that John's actually signed a contract with a rival Hibs podcast. So if you want to find him, he'll be. <laughs> I'm, for me, I'm going to bring us back way back to 2007. And this could quite possibly be the most boring Scottish Cup final that everyone's anyone's watched. But do you remember a that player called. Yeah, do you remember the, a player called Pierre Ardumbe? He was a right back. And he's, yeah. he scored he scored a winning goal. And. I think he does kind of earn cult hero status from that. I think that was one of his first games for Celtic and, and that happened. But the reason why I'm going for that is just not, for me, the other ones are obvious. And I like him back in time seeing, seeing these teams, as Amy quite rightly said, that the lineup, I'll go through this lineup. There was Boric, Dumbay, McManus, Presley, Naylor, Nakamura, Lennon, Hartley, McGeady, Kenny Miller, and Vanagura Hesselink. I mean, them types of players, maybe leave Miller to the side there, but them types of players again. That's my earliest memories watching Celtic stretching far back as Martin Lee's team. And that final for me, it's it just the celebrations at the end because it was so unexpected. A player like Dumbay would grab the winning goal and it was, it was a terrible final to be fair, but it was also only Lennon's last game for Celtic and he went on to, to win the, the Scottish Cup that Amy was referring to. But yeah, guys, in terms of the show, that's us kind of wrapped up, but we're going to move on to the quiz and the rivalry that we have against a Celtic state of mind. We're winning, I think, now 4-2. So, John, it's, yeah, down, it's, to bring... <laughs> <laughs> it's down to yourself to bring this home and make it 5-2 for us. And it's, Amy, it's, it's quite simple. Really. So there's five questions, first to three. I'm not really technical about it, always set in the podcast. But are you ready to crack in? Absolutely. Right. So the first question. If Celtic win this year's Scottish Cup, how many will that be in a row? 41. Oh, five. Yeah, me got it. John's sleeping <laughs> again. Where are you, John? No, because I, I, I was going to say the exact... I was going to say the, the total number as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then so, when she was I'm like, so no, I was like, oh, I stumbled. Damn it. How many Scully's Cubs have Celtic won? 40. 40. Amy got there first. Fuck. <laughs> How many goals has El Nusi scored this season? 13. No. 15. Yeah, Miguel, 16, 17. 17, yeah, 17. Oh. Has absolutely annihilated you, John. Come on. I, I am serious right now. <laughs> what is going on with this? Come, Come on. on. <laughs> I, I, don't know, like, I don't know how many times I need to say this. Well done, Amy. But Thank you. Like, I am shite at quizzes, plain and simple. I'm, I, I'm not going to, like, it would have been embarrassing if Amy had lost to me, in all honesty, because I think <laughs> the, 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 the five or six quizzes I've done, I've won one against Ross. Shout out to Ross. But I've lost yeah. them all. <laughs> so, 
keep that trend going. But nah, I, I, I don't like being put in the spot. I'm terrible, but that was well done, Amy. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> well, well done to yourself. That's the score up the, the four for you. Now, and thanks for coming on the show, Amy. We do, we do really appreciate it. And also the race up we have with us, at least in the mind, I think it's brilliant. But have you enjoyed your time on the End of Sales podcast? Yeah, I've loved it. Um, like you say, it's brilliant to um, just hear different voices. That's that's the beauty of all these podcasts. You know, it can. I obviously have. I'm with Colin every week, so we we actually probably agree on most things. So you know, it's great to have that little a little bit of disagreement with John. And you know, that's that's what's all about. You're missing that in the pub anyway, or just before the game in the stands. Yeah. So it's you know, it's great to have it on the podcast and. Like hopefully for it doesn't need to be the only way we can sort of argue for too much longer. But I am, um, you know, podcasts and certainly endless else as well. These guys, these are ready to to kick on for a for a long time coming now, and and it's great to see. So, no, thanks so much for having me on. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed that, and um, yeah, like you say, that relationship with Axom is great, and um, we certainly love it as well. So, yeah, no, it's fantastic, Amy. Can I just say one other thing? You you do a a your own show you've got your own show on axum as well i do yeah uh, I do. the soccer supernova you want to tell us a wee bit about that yeah so that's um a state of minds dedicated football chat show so yeah it, it's brilliant to, to have that it really is i thoroughly um enjoy that as i said i'm a massive mark wilson fan so he was one of my first guests i am still after joe ledley i'm not afraid to um say that i'm literally hounding everything he was on the huddle today and I was like damn it but um hey you know I'll get I'll get him on one day he's back in he's back down south he's in Wales now so the minute he was on that flight I was like fantastic this easy and we'll get him in but it's um yeah no I'm thoroughly enjoying it and it's brilliant to you know it's not just Celtic um players so it's it's to a wide audience and Obviously, I'm a, I'm a journalism student as well, so you don't just want to... I've got no problem, obviously, showing that I'm a, I'm a Celtic fan and that's where my loyalties lie, but it's just it's great to be able to have that opportunity as well to to show that it's not just all about Celtic and, you know, you can hear stories yeah. from anyone and everyone because there are some absolutely terrific um, blokes out there that don't really get all the, the, the plaudits they maybe deserve. You know, it's you look at punditry even and it's the same sort of guys rolled out all the time. Um, there's some terrific ex-pros out there who are who are dying to have any sort of you know chance to really express their stories or have a have a have a chance at the commentary the punditry or anything like that and it's yeah. brilliant that they get a bit of a platform as well and hearing some of the stories are it's brilliant and just sit back and listen and get a front row seat so it's, it's class yeah it's brilliant yeah no it's been fantastic because I, I don't know about the other guys as well but I've, I've obviously tuned into a few of them as well and like he says uh, just taking a step away from Celtic but getting a bit of background and a wee bit of history uh, with these other guys I think is really really interesting so yeah keep up the good work and if anybody listening obviously go over to the State of Mind channel uh, and check out Soccer Supernova as well if he's got the chance perfect yeah, cheers guys appreciate that and as well just before we go a, a shout out to Patrick McNally we just uh, done an interview with him in regards to uh, youth football at Celtic he's a young Irish man like myself who got to move to Celtic his boyhood club and it's a quite interesting interview. It's on the podcast at the moment. So if you have a chance or anyone has a chance who's listening, have we look at that. It's brilliant and depth. And we're also going to be sitting down with a Celtic first team player who used to play. Got a few, I think it was 10 games in total. But he's played for the likes of Blackpool, Dunfermline, and Rafe Rovers. We're getting John Hernan. So that's another interview to look out for. And it's going to be fantastic when we're going to talk about all the pressure to Celtic and stuff. So, I mean, as a page, as in the sales podcast, we're growing week on week. And it's thanks to you guys as well, Sally said of mine, for helping us along that journey. And I hope we get you on in the future again, Amy. And 
I mean, John's echoed it, but congratulations on your show. I'm Soccer Supernova. It's a fantastic show. The Mark Thank Wilson so interview. No, that's no problem. So, and John, thanks for coming on again as my co-host, and you'll be on oh, again man. with me. And until Friday, our regular podcast, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail.